Hi, and welcome back to a new episode of the Unplugged Debate. We've got more topics surrounding what we talk about on the podcast over on our social media, Unplugged Me on Instagram. So come join us. But until then, let's get back into the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Unplugged Debate. On this podcast, we delve into the ideas surrounding human interaction with both nature and technology. Talking to people about their time in the outdoors, starting from when they were younger all the way through to present day. Developing a picture on who and what motivates them to be outside and why they do the things they do in the outdoors. Crossing over into talking about their technology usage and how that's changed throughout their life and speaking to them about the different types of technology they use on a day-to-day basis from their mobile phones to their running shoes. Once we've developed a good picture of them, we incorporate that into how they think technology has changed their outlook on life and their time in the outdoors. And finishing with how they think technological development has changed society on a wider scale. So hello and welcome. So on today's episode, we have Abby Barnes. Abby, uh, would you class yourself as an adventurer or would you class yourself as a, a person that likes to just get out into the wild? Oh, well, I've always thought I should make up my own word, but I think for common understanding, adventurer does work, but I also think it's a very glorified term. And my big thing is that adventure is an attitude. It's a perspective that we can take on day-to-day life. So I strive to live a life of adventure, shall we say. Okay, cool. You've also um, you've also been making uh, producing your own film since you were thirteen, um, and then I was I was reading that you managed to actually win a competition um, with a production about palm oil, and you mm-hmm. spoke to the European Parliament and MEPs about the importance of labelling on products. Mm-hmm. So that was that's quite interesting to know. And then you also set up your own production company called Song Thrush Production. Nice. And then you have your own company called um, Spend More Time in the Wild. That's exactly it. Nice. And what, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the premise behind it, Spend More Time in the Wild? So you sort of listed the evolution of, sort of my growth there with the messages that I've tried to carry forward into the world. Um, and, you know, just before we hit record there, we were talking about how like our number one tool for change is our voice and for me at the age of 13 I really wanted to use my voice in a way that I could reach more people than just directly in my community and that's why I stepped into the world of film and started harking on about all these environmental issues to try and bring awareness and uh you know I've always had a big big fire within me I'm a very passionate driven person so much so that I drive myself around a bend because it's just like I have the passion but not the focus and they don't always go so well um but that aside yes so I set up Song Thrush Productions uh with the aim of really communicating environmental issues and trying to create that ripple effect of change and positivity it was all about empowering people to take positive steps and own their um own their actions to understand that they are responsible for their actions and the complications they can have further down the line um 
And then Spend More Time in the Wild has really evolved off the back of Songthrush Productions. They're all a bit of a mouthful, aren't they, really? Um, in a sense that it's become much more about my personal journey and my experiences struggling with mental illness and more recently chronic pain. And the whole point in it, certainly initially, was to, again, create films to showcase beautiful wild spaces so that we can protect them for future generations to come. You know, if we have experiences that we enjoy, we're going to want to protect them. But to also understand the power of getting outside for our mental well-being and for our physical health. And these are the things that I've sort of drip fed through these adventurous documentaries or day hikes or whatever it might be you know even if it's just fossiling on the coast um, or finding nice pebbles like it's a very mindful activity and being in nature is where we're meant to be um, and so wild has grown and grown and grown and now it's not just the filming side we've got the podcast we've got the store which is all um, environmentally sensitive products whether that's organic or recycled or handmade um, we've got um the, the walks and events that we're running and you know yada yada there's loads of different angles and it's a, certainly a bigger ship right now than I can steer <laughs> but you know I'm trying <laughs> and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the journey and know that we've got a long way to go to, to reaching even more people it's very exciting. And so you've also and the last little bit on the introduction is you've also got uh, your personal training level three your Helen Moreland uh, Award and you're about to do your ML uh, assessment mm. next month and you've got your scuba diving award so you've, you've kind of got this whole um, expanse of outdoor knowledge that seems to have started very early on so um, what, what sort of started you in the outdoors and what sort of like was it from an early age that you uh, started running around outside or was it sort of after you hit 13 and then you started following this passion that you've uh, now got? So the way I tend to tell it is that the outdoors was my safe place. Um, <clears throat> I struggled a lot with bullying at school. I went to a lot of different schools because they just really weren't working for me and family movement. So I moved around and I was always that kid that could sort of float between every single group of kids. You know how they sort of form clans. Um, but I never yeah. really ever had my own. Um, I never had a sense of belonging as I say I was bullied quite badly and that was verbal and, and very physical at times um, and then home was just felt challenging as well so I turned to nature and you know before going to school I would be out filming the sunrise and looking at the birds and really learning to identify the different calls and songs of the species around my home and then after school I would be back out in the field you know I'd be looking for foxes and badgers and rabbits and hares and deer and you name it like I would want to find it um, and I'd love to film it you know I'd, I'd, I I grew up with fox cubs you know and, and baby badgers and and learning their different habits and and watching them as real real souls of life you know um and I was very connected with nature and it was my happy place and it was when I was around 13 that I started to read um a very common uh children's book author Michael Mopergo and his book Running Wild uh highlighted the implications around the unsustainable production of palm oil which is this vegetable oil originates from western Africa and now it is found in over 50 percent of food and cosmetics in most households 
And I wasn't okay with the slash and burn that was happening. I wasn't okay with the removal of indigenous people. I wasn't okay with the, um, the destruction and abuse of endemic species like orangutans and tapirs and elephants and tigers, just no. Um, so I had to speak up about it. And so really that was the evolution. And, you know, I, I wanted to end up in TV, in broadcast. And um, I was never sure about university. So mainly because of the financial commitment and I'm just useless at that kind of thing. And so really it was just, okay, let's just collect these different qualifications um, under my belt, you know, from scuba diving to climbing to whatever it is, you know, let's get experience um, horse riding because the more you can showcase, you've got a wide skill set the more interesting a person you are, I suppose, for any particular role. So when you hit 13 and you started, you know, this was your happy space where you go out and, and, and sort of relax and chill out in it. How did that change as you sort of hit your late teens, early 20s? Um, and was it very self-led rather than being led by anyone else? You, you decided that this is where you wanted to, wanted to be, basically. Exactly. Uh, you know, my family were big walkers, my parents in particular. So they would take us out walking a lot. You know, we every weekend, especially if the sun was shining, we would be out somewhere, whether it's the coast, you know, doing rock crawling or walking up and down the cliffs or, um, you know, most years I was fortunate enough to holiday with a family in Yorkshire or the Lake District. So I really started to build that awareness of the country, of the different wild spaces, the different habitats, meaning different animals and different potential for adventure. Um, and, you know, it just it just became ingrained in who I am, to be honest. And, you know, that was a, that was a very personal choice because my two younger brothers, it certainly wasn't quite the same. They pushed away from it, whereas I, you know, I dove in um, and it clearly spoke to this very, uh, I don't know, almost spiritual part of me. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a number of different things, really, that, that got me into nature, I suppose. As you, as you got older, did did you feel like you could go and do more in nature? So you ended up perhaps going on expeditions or uh, or going on walks and, uh, and things like that? Yeah, so my uh, mum and I from 2012 started backpacking. So every year we would do a long distance trail. Yeah. Um, so it started with something like the West Highland Way, then it was the Hadrian's Wall Path, then it was the Coast to Coast, and it sort of just evolved um and then by 2016 I was wanting to go by myself because it just felt right um and you know I really had grown up and I needed that space I needed my own thing um and I needed to step into my own safe place and so I started the National Trails Challenge which was the goal of which sorry was to hike every single national trail in the UK at the time there were 15 it was over two and a half thousand miles I gave myself a year to do it I got three in and then I basically had like a mental <laughs> meltdown. Um, and that was really where I started to understand how much my mental health was uh, crippling me, essentially. You know, and I'd, I'd known before then, it was really at college that I gained the language around mental health. Um, you know, I'd had my first suicide attempt when I was 13, but um, I didn't really know what it was. And the whole thing sort of just just continued without the language or the the hand being held, so to speak. Um, but yeah, exactly. So I, and then I really started to just get into hiking. You know, I trained as a personal trainer along this time as well. So there was a lot going on. Um, and 
you know, another thing as well I can mention is I climbed Kilimanjaro um, in 2018, just a couple of weeks after finishing my A-levels. And that was a real high in my life, but also a real low, because when it came back, it was just that full-on post-trip depression, which Noni was triggered by. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. And so once again, it was turning to nature, stripping life back to its simplest, purest form that saved me and kept me going. And that's just such a common theme throughout my life. So hiking in nature is my happy place. So I guess that was the sort of, as you were mentioning at the start, the proponent of um, spend more time in the wild is, so you're trying to encourage people to do the same thing because of the way that it's kind of supported you throughout your life, this open space that is really designed for human beings to live in rather than concrete jungles so 100 percent, yeah and I I think it's also it's it's, it you know it is easy for um I think first of all talking about mental health and getting outside has become a bit of a trend um and I think it's very important that we really zoom in on the person who's communicating that message and check in on their experience their knowledge their heart and why as to why they're saying this because you know I know we're going to get on to talking about technology and certainly since COVID we've seen more and more people making YouTube videos and it's just flung out there oh getting outside is good for your mental health but why what does that mean what is your experience how can you prove that to me but it's also it's being secure enough to be able to say but it's not everything you know mental health or mental illness rather we all have mental health it's whether you know it's the severity of which we're stable in our mental health so to speak um is, is such an individual personal thing. You can't be prescriptive about it. For some people, medication may work, other people it may not, you know, but it needs to be a combination of different approaches of which I believe connection with nature is one of them. Um, because as I say, it brings us back to who we are as a fundamental wild beings. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the amount of research that's done on um, green green and blue spaces and the benefits for it but it's a case of from what you're saying is these people who have just started a youtube channel and say yes it's good to get outside but there's no there's no backstory in behind it thanks very much for telling me this message but you need to actually carry that through Mm. so that's that's quite interesting and so what have you got anything else planned for the outdoors then in the in the near future or is that all top secret um it's it's not that it's secret it's that I'm not fully committed to it yet so I mentioned earlier um just that chronic pain is is a bit of a thing in my life and uh I'm I'm actually heading out in a couple of weeks to rewalk the West Highland Way it's it's sort of my pilgrimage trail it was the first one I ever did um ever and then it was the first one I did by myself and now I'm going to go and wild camp it and the main reason for doing this is to see how it actually feels carrying a backpack at the moment because of the pain in my back um if it's just too much then I'm gonna have to seriously restructure and rethink my my year and probably hop on the bike a bit more than I am hiking but really you know just before COVID um I was really looking to get more international um it's not that I don't appreciate the UK but I really have seen so much of it um and I'm very ready to see bigger things you know I love the Alps um I'm just so excited by different uh almost biomes um you know, and it very sounds very critical, but I find the UK quite stale in terms of um, like wildlife perspective. It's really not wild. Like there's no bears or wolves or big birds. It's it's very just, it's tame. And uh, I'm looking to feel little. So I need to go to big places to do that. Yeah. I mean, there is no true wilderness in the UK anymore. 
you do have to go further afield to get that and yeah you can get that feeling in you know parts of scotland and things but then you're not there's no like uh, humbling experience in terms of yes you're humbled by the weather but there's no oh i need to be keep an eye out because you know there could be a bear in that forest or you know it's it's you are the king of the jungle and i don't want to be king of the jungle you know i want to be in the food chain <laughs> so that i can <laughs> I just think it's a very, again, it's that rewilding experience is pulling us back to who we are and that we are a part of nature and we should never feel bigger or greater than, just equal. And I guess that brings us on to the, you're talking there about um, we're still part of nature. And is that what you're trying to reflect in your YouTube channel and, and your videos that you've made with your production company? Yeah, it's definitely one of those elemental messages um you know i mentioned song crush productions there and that is the core of who i am the message of that channel that i was running initially was that environmental stewardship you know mm. and so getting outside is good for us for so many reasons one of which is that we do create those memories we do feel connected to nature we do feel like we have a place of belonging you know and and therefore we want to help protect it for future generations like it's that evolution and also the act of doing something or contributing to something bigger than ourselves is also an amazing way to feel better because <clears throat> sorry um because we you know we spend so much time in our heads we're very sort of selfish hesitate to use that word but selfish beings and by contributing to something else it gets us out of ourselves and again into that bigger picture so it's certainly one of those messages that i'm trying to communicate um but it's very it's a very rounded approach you know there's lots of different angles that i come at yeah and so what sort of I mean, to, to be able to do what you're doing, you need to use a fair amount of technology. Um, what sort of technology are you using on a day-to-day -day basis then? So if you, let's take if you were doing it for a, a production or a, an adventure or something like that. So it's a good question. Um, first of all, the adventure starts at home in terms of trip planning. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously got my phone, but generally speaking, I'm on my Mac. Um, and my little MacBook, which I'm on right now, um, which is probably far too small for my eyes, but there we go. So that's it on that. <laughs> um, and it's funny actually, because before Abbey Bikes Britain, which was a big cycling project last year in 2021, I was very anti-Bluetooth. Um, mm. But since then I've gone and got myself a flipping Bluetooth mouse and Bluetooth keyboard. And it's like, oh, geez, I've given him Bluetooth, haven't I? But anyway, um, that aside, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it starts on the computer with research, but I'm also, very set on using guidebooks um because for me they are my sort of like quote-unquote trophy of a trail you know i don't buy myself a souvenir but i have my guidebook which i've scribbled all over and scrunched up and battered to pieces and i love it um but then by the time i, I hit the trail you know essentially i shoot on a gopro as my main camera um struggled with a lot of gopros with glitches but gopro 8 is my go-to at the moment i've usually got a couple of those because i have a habit of smashing them um, and then I used to shoot on a Canon M50 because this is a nice light camera and I've got a couple of those now. Um, but I've recently transitioned and playing around with a Sony A7 Mark III, A7S Mark III, I don't know, see me in technology. Um, and a bunch of different lenses with that. And I've got the tripod, got portable chargers. The technology makes up the bulk of my pack. 
let's just say but everything else is like light and stripped back and then it's camera stuff and I never skimp <laughs> that's that's fair enough and do you feel like that, that it, it's um so there was a podcast I recorded that I never put out because the, the because it was corrupted um so the sound quality was awful um mm -hmm. but the person said that he never thought that his going out and taking pictures of um the environment or taking video and he saw it as a way of storytelling and the way of uh trying to connect people with the environment instead of it being this um overbearing technology thing that we have in uh, the, the, the sort of buzzwords in our society at the moment so do you see your your tech equipment as sort of this way of you being able to tell your story or do you see it as an overbearing thing sometimes i think it's this is definitely one of the biggest debates i have with myself so first of all i've struggled a lot with a thing called dissociation which is is sort of a side effect of mental trauma quite often and also again with the physical pain like my brain is in overdrive and so i feel very disconnected from my landscape i tell people is like being in a fishbowl or being feeling like everything is out of focus and you have to tell yourself right I'm looking at a computer now this is a computer you know and work through it very very verbally and intentionally and so having the medium of film in which I can go back and look at the footage or photos as well but film in particular because that's slightly more three-dimensional is a very valuable tool for me to help me feel connected with the landscape where I have felt disconnected um, so first of all you know it really does have these positive uh, sides to it you know so the connection for me personally for memories as well because with the dissociation quite often can forget things um, and exactly to to tell a story not just my story but the story of a trail or a landscape you know from the very intimate details from how a, how, how water is falling down uh, a waterfall or the particular mosses that are growing with the dew drops on top to the wide open vistas on the top of a summit of a mountain um, you're never going to give people a true experience unless they're physically there but it's certainly the next best thing and that's one of my greatest privileges is being able to take people to places they're possibly never going to see themselves but it we've you know you just touched on there is a flip side to it and it can take you out of the present moment it can lead to a quote-unquote type of disconnection and dissociation because you're looking at the world for a screen <laughs> And therefore, you're not in the present moment. And so I've been working on this balance between um, if I know something's going to repeat, say you're in Iceland and there's a geyser, so a big explosion of hot water into the sky. I will make sure I watch it first, cameras off, and then I'll wait for the next time around and I'll film it because I, I want to have that experience as much as anybody else does. You know, and I think it, so often we're holding up our phones to just get that snap and get that visual, you know, oh, your kid just took their first steps. Like, yeah, you got it on camera, but you weren't looking at it. <laughs> like you didn't actually see that. You just saw a video of your kid walking. And it's things like that. So, you know, it, it's a massive debate. And more and more, I'm choosing not to film things. Um, mm. I'm being very selective with my choice of what I choose to film when I'm out there now because I actually want to make sure I'm having the experience. And also I put a lot of pressure on myself when I'm out there to get all the shots and cover every angle. But again, it's exhausting and it's, it's unnecessary pressure because at the end of the day, it's my story and no one's going to know what I haven't filmed because they didn't see it. 
So I'm playing around with that and um, I'm trying to keep it positive, but I do think it's something that most people who work in sort of a media industry, it's one of their struggles, you know, and you, you've just got to find your own path with it. That's interesting because I know certainly if you're going for your, your Mountain Leader Award and when you're putting it into your D-log, um, you've, you've got to have a photo to give photo evidence or uh, and, mm. or, um, or, a, uh, or your watch where you've got the GPX file or something so that they know you've done yeah. it kind of thing. Um, and um, I'm useless at taking photos. My, my phone goes in my bag if I go on a walk and that's it. So and I'm just it's 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 all about being in the present moment and 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 I I take from what you're saying as well is sort of like I I want I want to be present in the moment if I'm going up this hill by the time I get to the top I want to then just I'm going to be out of breath anyway once I get to the top but sit there and just take in the view yeah and a lot of people that I've been on walks with it will be take that selfie before you even sort of um, see what you're even taking a picture of you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) get that get that selfie um do I look Instagram ready you know um I never do so it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) um so how has that sort of changed throughout your life so how old are you at the moment if you don't mind me asking 25 good yeah so you're Sort of on that cusp of the generation, you're still a millennial then, aren't you? 1996, I don't know. Yeah. I think I can get yeah. away with that. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, Am I a millennial? Jeez, I've never thought of it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pre-millennial. I'm pre-millennial. <laughs> um, I, I, the only reason I ask is, so as you grew up, what was your interaction with technology Obviously, at 13, you would have started using cameras and stuff for mm. filming. But pre that, what was your sort of interaction with technology before then? Yeah, I think it's a cool question because I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently and I didn't really have an interaction with technology, you know. Um, and yes, I'd play around with my camera, but it's not like I wasn't a big phone user. Um, mm. I had my chunky old laptop and I'd edit stuff on that, you know, a little bit of MSN sort of thing, a little bit of Sims on Zoo Tycoon, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I, I had a, I remember I had a DS, um, Nintendo DS, and I played Animal Crossing on there. But it wasn't, it wasn't what it is now, you know, and I find that one of my greatest contradictions, to be honest, that I am out documenting nature, but I'm 100% reliant on technology every single day in order to be wild. And it drives me around the bend. It really annoys me um, because like, I don't, I don't want to, but I have to. It's like with social media. I'm not, I'm not a, not a, I wouldn't even class myself as a user of social media because it's just, it's part of my job. Um, if I didn't need that medium in order to communicate my messages, I wouldn't be on it because it's, it feels very disconnecting for me. It doesn't feel real. And I have to be honest, that's why I love the wild walks that I'm able to run through my company because they're on the ground, um, they're real life experiences, they're a great opportunity to meet people, put faces to the names that are popping up on this online channel and platform. And also because I'm leading the walk, I'm not actually filming it. So I really get to be in the experience. And so, you know, that's become one of my methods of 
evolving to manage this quote unquote problem that is I'm, I'm reliant on technology so you know it's it's a nice a nice opportunity and I'm just trying to look at bringing more of that in really and I guess that you know running running a business and running your own production company you are you have to become reliant on that we were talking about your methods of how you deal with uh, emails and messages and things like that earlier on <laughs> Um, basically uh, I don't (laughs) (laughs) Um, but how do you yeah how do you focus in on the important bits rather than being so overwhelmed so we're with my company we look at sort of um, the ideals of digital minimalism so you uh, you are required not required but you try and focus your uh, digital interaction into the most important things. So how do you sort of go around that sort of thing? Just following on from the question that you've just answered. Yeah, I like that you said the most important things because that's very true. And that is ultimately the deciding factor as to where energy goes. I'm, a, as I say, I'm very driven, very passionate, and I have very, very high expectations of myself to the point where people think it's counterproductive. But I don't believe that. It's just that when you're dealing with pain and mental fog, it gets really hard to wade through, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just constantly feel like you're failing. But I know what I'm capable of. And I know that my expectations match what I can achieve if I'm looking after myself. So that's my first like little caveat there. But coming back to the practicalities. Um, so, you know, I, I, I used the phrase earlier um, before we hit record that people are not entitled to a response just because they get in touch. It doesn't mean I'm not grateful, doesn't mean I'm not appreciative, doesn't mean I don't see it, but I have to time manage. I'm not prescriptive in a sense of, you know, this is what I'm doing at this hour, this is what I'm doing in this hour. I'm very, well, I call myself faith-led. So when I wake up, um, I know what my goals and aims are for the week slash month. And I will see how I'm feeling on that day. You know, I'll see where I'm being steered and being led. And sometimes, yes, it's a bit of a rabbit hole, but usually it's a very productive rabbit hole. It's just like, oh, today I actually feel like I can do some emails or oh, today I feel like I can sit down for six hours and do some editing. But behind my computer screen right now, I have a whole bunch of sticky notes and the yellow ones are essentially the to-do list. You know, I have a to-do list book and then I have my monthly things. So it's very visual. And what that means is when I find myself wondering or feeling overwhelmed because I've got all these comms coming in, I've got all these pressures, this deadline, that deadline, like yada yada, which ultimately, let's just put it out there, completely self-made. It's my business. Um, First of all, I can choose to just ignore a pressure because, again, if I miss an upload, I miss a podcast. It's like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's giving myself permission with that. But also it's, you know, in those spaces, it's coming back, it's looking at those sticky notes and it's deciding where is my focus best put today? Where is my energy best put today? And another part of my job is training. You know, I have to keep myself physically fit for the trail, for big expeditions, whatever that looks like. So I train every day, whether it's just going for a walk, whether it's going for a ride. Sometimes that involves a quarter of a day, sometimes half, sometimes a full day. And so I'm, I'm constantly shuffling things around. I'm always checking the weather. Um, and it really is... It's just become a bit of a skill. And the other thing I tell people is, is this, there really is no such thing as multitasking. It's task switching. So if you're doing one thing and another thing at the same time, they're not getting the best you. Just like if you're talking to a friend and your phone's going off on the table next to you, they're not getting the best you. They're not getting 100% of your focus. And when you're committed 
to something, when you set up your own business or when you're spending time with a friend or family member, like you owe it to yourself to show up for them because they're your chosen thing. They, they, they're something that you love. And so that's, that's what I'm working on. I strive to do day to day is minimize the noise and keep my focus in the right place. And I know my weak spots. One of my weak spots is communication, <laughs> not just in my business sense, but in a personal sense, I'm absolutely useless at replying to messages because very, very quickly I get overwhelmed. Everybody wants me now. <laughs> and I just go, no, like it's my time. It's my space. You're knocking on my door, but I'm not letting you in. And it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't appreciate you. It's not because I don't want you. It's just because right now, health and well-being, as every other now, every other present moment is always going to be my priority. Because if I'm not well, if I'm overwhelmed, if I'm putting too much pressure on myself or other people are, I'm not going to be functioning. The whole boat is going to sink. <laughs> so it's a juggling act. And Wild is definitely a point where I, I can be building a team and I'm slowly taking steps to do that. But also it's really hard to let go of things. Um, so <laughs> that's chucky. But it's a, I'm a work in progress and I always will be, just like all of us are. And I try and stay humble to the process and uh, not give myself a hard time if a day doesn't go to plan. Because the truth is every day is a work day for me. So, you know, I need to be able to take the pressure off myself in order to function at my best and give give the company my best and therefore give people the best stories to be empowered by. Yeah, perfect. So the interesting bit would be now is to ask you, how do you think technology has changed our modern culture and society? We've talked a lot about your storytelling in the outdoors, your proponent to encourage people there. Do you feel that there is something that because of, you know, the Instagram movement where you can take a picture and you can see it through that? Do you think that there's been a change in our modern culture and society because of that? Gosh, that's that's not a little question, is it? No, I never ask little <laughs> right, questions. Let me, let me see if I can follow my train of thought because it's gone in all directions and now it's crazy. Um, so I think, first of all, technology is amazing. You know, it's really empowered as it has completely changed the world in which we live in. Uh, and I think in a lot of ways for the better. I think one of the, well, first of all, I think the, the, the issue could be the tendency to focus on the negative things. But if we focus on the positive, you know, it brings people together. Um, it does empower people to not only hear stories that inspire them and help them become better versions of themselves, but it also gives them a medium in which to tell their story to create that ripple effect in a way that in isolated communities we wouldn't really be able to do. Um, you know, it's created clean drinking water for nations across the globe. It's, you know, yada yada, we all know them. We've got, like, I've got lights going on right now and a candle, must add. Um, but, you know, all of these things which make life easier, they make life more comfortable. They help us to stay well and healthy and live longer, better lives. So technology, awesome, great flip side to that first of all is obviously the the generation of power that's required for technology to run ultimate electricity and then the product development you know whether it's batteries lithium whether it's metals gold um, whatever it is you know the mining the slave labor the environmental implications we that remember earlier i talked about that chain effect it's it's having the awareness of that chain effect which can very quickly see us drown but it's so important that we do and are aware of that. You know, if I go to buy another MacBook, like where are all the components of this physical thing coming from? Because it wasn't, it was, oh, MacBook tree, like that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's all the different parts. So 
that's the one side to it which I think people are very disconnected from and it's it's a very parallel journey I feel to sort of like meat production and animal um husbandry so to speak um again you can either choose to be aware or you can choose to ignore um there's learning our responsibility there but I think also on a very personal level technology can be a really good thing or a really bad thing and I think many people flutter between depending on the day it can very quickly become an addiction so an addiction uh, I'm not a trained psychologist I must add that but is anything that you know you repeatedly go to that suddenly has or reaches a point where it has negative implications on your life you feel stuck you feel trapped and I certainly get like that with my phone with my laptop and that's why one of my coping strategies is to ignore people <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly checking for something to get that dopamine hit you know it's completely biological within us this is not a conscious choice necessarily it starts like that but it evolves so there's that side to it there's the pressures that we can feel you know people feeling like they're popping into our space and we have to reply to them remember they are not entitled to a response to you um you have to manage your expectations of yourself and other people's expectations trying not to overcommit and yada yada then there are things if we go to instagram because i feel i can only ever speak about personal experiences the only thing i have the right to speak about really um i'm somebody who's getting out there most days you know i could be shooting content i could be taking pictures whatever but i don't you know i might take a nice picture of a flower because it's a new one i want to identify it i might have a really good ride awesome sunset take a little video for myself so to speak it doesn't necessarily make it onto social media because that does not validate who i am and the experience i've just had when I go onto Instagram, as somebody who's traveling the world through my job, seeing incredible things, like I'm so blessed to have been able to turn my adversities and struggles into wild. I still feel less than, I still feel FOMO. If I go onto Instagram, I feel like I'm missing out. And it's absolute, it's so ridiculous. Like this house is full of pictures of myself and me and Anna, my partner all over the world. You know, we've just done this massive cycle, whatever it is. And I still feel like I'm not doing enough. Absurd. <laughs> And so the way I manage that is I don't go onto it. I don't look at it. If I go on there, you know, it's because I want to check on a friend or whatever, or I want to actually share a post and try and contribute something meaningful. If you go through my Instagram feed, usually I've written quite a bit of a post because I want, it's not just about the visual. Ooh, look at me. It's like, actually, what's the lesson or the learning that we can do together with that? Um, so I try to make it something more and use it for that positive effect, but I have to have my boundaries in place because I will sink. You know, I don't have Instagram, for example, on the homepage of my phone. I have six clicks in order to get to it. I thought about removing it, but it's completely impractical. Um, so, you know, things like that. And also, uh, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. I really, really, really feel for the younger generation. It feels weird to say younger generation because we were all the youngest generation once. Um, but, you know, if I was in school today, I just don't think I could cope because, you know, yes, we all had our little Tamagotchis and all that jazz when we were at school. But to suddenly have all these kids with phones, you know, and, and the constant communication that you want to keep up with the competitive nature and you've got to look like this. And even the reason why I came up yesterday was with, with gender identity. You know, we all have to have our pronouns, but actually we don't. You know, as somebody who does a lot of public speaking, quite often they're like, oh, can you give us your pronouns at the beginning? And I just go, well, I'm just me. <laughs> like, I don't want to be put in a box. But I feel like through technology, younger younger people, children, you know, young adults are being put under all these pressures to decide who they are so quickly. All we had to figure out was, do we want to go to uni or not? <laughs> you know? Um, 
And so it, you know, I said I was going to try and follow this massive train of thought, and it really is a big train of thought. But technology can be whatever we want it to be. But we mm. have to be conscious and aware of where we want to go with it and how we want to use it. It's a very, very, very powerful tool, but it is a tool. It's not a coping strategy. It's not, um, it's, yeah, I think coping strategy is the right phrase, you know, because quite often it becomes that. But if we can use it as a tool for what it is and have the control, the self-discipline to shut it off when we want to, then I think that's a really good thing because that's how we can stay connected with ourselves, with the people around us. I mean, what makes us more connected? You know, yes, you and me hanging out here on Zoom right now, we're connected. But if we were sat in the same room with a brew, having this conversation, we'd be connected on a different level. And that's what I, I would pick personally every time, you know, probably in fact, you're in Scotland, but I'm very happy to come to Scotland. <laughs> well, do a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, why not? <laughs> Any reason. Oh, yeah, why not? Why not? Do the 500 mile trip. Exactly. I feel bad. I, I feel like I'd have to pay for your fuel to do that. No, oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll cycle. Any excuse. <laughs> yeah, See you in a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, that, but that's interesting that you mentioned that is because there is a, a difference between a high, le- uh, high level connection and, and, and sort of the lower level connections. And if you're responding to messages on your phone and, and certainly from the research that I've done is that the the lower end is is those sorts of texting people and, and things like that you're not you're only checking in you're not actually and you're right in saying I would rather I personally would rather choose to do most of these podcasts in person but mm. with COVID and actually the amount of people spread around the world that I've spoken to it's impractical yeah. so absolutely yeah but the importance is is being able to still see the people in person and, and be able to have that um, level of seeing their body body movements, their um, all of that non-verbal communication that they have. That's that's and, and, and you bit. know it's it's also remembering that we are we are pure memories and stories. You know, one day we're going to be gone, and that's all that's going to be left. So let's live it out now. Mm-hmm. And I find like I have a few friends if I want to call them that where I get very irritated because we've been so close in the past and the contact between us is so minimal now because of social media because these people feel like they know what I'm up to that we don't need a conversation and Mm. for me it's like I don't want to see what people are up to on social media I want to grab a brew with you and Mm. sit down and hear about all the amazing things that you've been up to oh you're moving house that's really cool oh you've been on this hike that's really cool like oh that's a bit challenging like hold your hand and look in your eyes as you're telling me about your life struggle right now like Mm. I don't want to just read that through a social media post and then just drop you a text and also um, I'm not a texter as such like I'm, I'm a big voice message person because you can get a lot of emotions through with that and mm. for me that you know if I'm going to message somebody that's the way I go because I feel like I can I can just connect with that person slightly differently like I, again sometimes I'll just send a video message um if just talking is is not going to happen at that particular point you know it's a phone call or whatever but you know you're right and that again that's the pros and cons and it's how we choose to use it but it's never letting technology be an excuse for not staying true to your values Oh, and the other thing I suppose I could also add <laughs> is, you know, a lot of mental mental illness, again, my personal view, is it comes from disconnection. 
mm. it's a lack of connection to nature to other people to meaning and purpose to that to your values and who you are and your sense of identity and a place of belonging and again technology can give us a false sense of having that connection but there's nothing more connected than having our five senses actually stimulated by an experience and that is ultimately how we're going to feel better flicking through instagram is not a stimulating connecting experience at all also instagram does get hammered by these conversations doesn't it yeah. <laughs> i mean you could say about twitter or facebook as well exactly but i think i think the problem is is that the the platform that instagram is and the ideas behind it is it's that you share pictures and stuff rather than rather than facebook was designed to connect people to people and mm. twitter was this sort of share ideas and news type thing so yeah yeah and it was interesting you touched on um at, at the start of that question you touched on the ideas of um technology being for uh where does your laptop come from and things like that and the disassociation that people have with that because we live in a, a very consumeristic society uh you don't think oh my big my big gaming laptop that I've just bought with all the precious metals and, and things like that that come in it. Um, you just know that it's on the shelf and yeah. then you don't have to worry about it. Where, where yeah. does all that stuff come from? So that was, that was an interesting point that I don't think anyone's made on the podcast so far. Um, and there was no prompting for it. It's really interesting. I find it really quite heartbreaking, you know, um, that we are just so disconnected from from who we are you know from the mm. products that we're consuming and ultimately you, you're just we're just consumers you know yeah. but we we how we spend our money and the things that we purchase are creating a knock-on effect there you know we are the end of the line but what is the line before us it's just like when we go into a supermarket and we buy a particular food like Anna and I, my partner, you know, we we go around the supermarket, we do shop in the supermarket because it is the cheapest way, but we look at how we can best spend our money, you know, and it's like, okay, if we're buying an exotic fruit, where is it from? You know, it's making that conscious decision, like, oh, I'm, you know, people are so mindless, you know, oh, look, I'm just going to get a mango, pineapple, oranges, bananas, avocado, cool, I'm eating healthy. And again, it's, it's that, yes, it's selfish because we have to look after ourselves, but we can also make selfless decisions because yes, like an avocado, if you, again, if you do your research, avocado from Chile or from Mexico, like there's a really great series on Netflix at the moment called Rotten. And um, it looks at the implications of things like water, things like avocado, things like um, wine, you know, and, and there's all these things going on and all we're doing is picking up an avocado, but we're contributing to, you know, kidnapping, to rape, to environmental destruction, to whatever it is, just by choosing a particular product. And mm. it's like, you know, we might think, oh, no, this is just associated with taking drugs. You know, everybody knows how, how, for example, the, the, um, the whole drug system around cocaine and cocaine being smuggled, but it's, it's exactly the same for food and now even water and the same with technology. And so by having that education, and that's what I said, it can really cause us to drown. But if we're sensitive with ourselves and we do slowly build up the facts, we can at least make decisions that mean we're not going to leave the world in a worse place than when we arrived. And that ultimately for me, is the greatest gift that we can give the planet is to tread carefully, to act responsibly, and to use our voice for meaningful change. Yeah, 
and I think that that it's also thinking further than your lifetime as well. Hundred percent. Because that's 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 a lot of issues. Is that you never you never think further than your lifetime, so nothing ever mm. gets changed quickly because you're always yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that message. That's cool. Right. I think we'll leave it there. I think we covered a load of stuff, which is fantastic. So at the end of the podcast, I always ask an ambiguous question. If you could live anywhere in the world, off grid, <laughs> for a year, where would you go? What would you do? You don't have to worry about money or your job coming back. It's all covered. Where would you Where would you go? What would you do for a year off grid? Can I throw a few options out there or do I have to be very specific? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Wait, that's exciting. So first of all, my first choice would probably be Iceland. Yeah. The only thing that makes me hesitate with Iceland is there's no trees and I love trees. So that's why I'd be like, let me just go scout this place out, you know, see how it feels, get the vibe. Probably the second place I'd say is the Alps, um, yeah. somewhere in the Alps where, you know, you're going to get the, the seasons. You can get some good skiing in. Not that I've done skiing, but I really want to. Um, <laughs> you can get some good hiking in and you're in a landscape that's very humbling. Um, and then the third choice I think I'd go for right now is somewhere like Costa Rica. Now, yeah. I don't like heat at all but it's a very sustainable company up uh, company country you know yeah. they're doing a lot to manage their environmental footprint i think they're the first country in the world to actually be carbon neutral mm. um please don't quote me on that but i definitely heard that somewhere <laughs> and uh, i quite like to just experience how they do that because you know obviously there's still a lot of poverty in that country um you know it's 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 up and coming shall we say but I know there's a lot of communities out there where they're growing all their own food and got all the biomass and basically zero waste. And I think that could be quite cool just to experience, you know, if I can deal with the heat and the midges, because, you know, number one midge repellent is take me with you and you will be fine because <laughs> I will get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those would be my my choices. Some some challenging ones, some some good ones. I think it would be a nice place. Although... Yeah, I love Iceland. It is, it's a fantastic landscape, I have to say. Yeah. Although, wouldn't they, aren't they technically, I suppose that most of their power comes from geothermal. It does, but are they yeah. carbon neutral with that though? Don't know. I think they, they, they're getting there. They're there again, yeah. they're pretty up and coming, but I don't know the current stats. Fair enough. I mean, don't quote me on it either, but um, I think they've got one of the first carbon capture storage uh, yes. recent products there. Yeah, they do. I've I've seen some some articles about that. It's massive. It's very interesting looking plant, but kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. Well, you've got three options there. If I if I had to push you on one, which one would it be? If I was being purely selfish, probably the Alps. I like the Alps quite a lot. <laughs> Fair enough. It's got the trees. It's got the snow. It's got the mountains. And the it's mountains. Got the yeah <laughs> and cool animals as well you know i think the dolomites for example has some pockets where there are bears and wolves and you've got the llama guys which are the massive birds that drop the bones from a height to get to the insides and i just find like that's cool you know it's um like a mini i don't know mini american landscape in a way where we just think oh it's wilderness but we can find it in pockets in europe at least nice yeah. well perfect Thanks so much for coming on, Abby. That's been amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Good. I'm glad. Big thank you again for Abby for joining us on the Unplugged Debate. 
If you want to find her, you can find her on Instagram at Abby Barnes. You can also find her on YouTube at Spend More Time in the Wild. And with that, Abby has a documentary about her expedition she did last summer while she cycled the length of Britain, hitting all 15 national parks and climbing the highest peaks within them. I recommend it. Looks like a fantastic watch. And it will be released in May. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.